Hey everyone, welcome to the sixth episode of the Late Night Talking Cardboard Podcast, Solo Edition. My name is Nick from Talking Cardboard, a group of guys that love to talk about board games and sometimes actually play them. If you're listening to this episode as a podcast, please note we also have a YouTube video of the podcast that includes our faces as well as other visual content of the games we'll be discussing. Now in this episode, you'll notice that I am solo. Where's my dad? I'm all alone. Uh, If you're not familiar with TikTok, that was a trending TikTok uh, for a while and I also knew my wife would appreciate that. But as you can see, if you're watching the video, John and Corey are not with me today. Normally in the podcast, at least one of those guys are uh, joining me. But today I decided I'd do a solo, special solo episode, which means a lot of the stuff I will be talking about in this episode is catered to the solo board gamer. Now I know a lot of you listening might immediately be turned off by that if you're not very much into solo board gaming, but please continue to listen on just because I feel maybe I could interest you in trying a solo game or two. And obviously if you are one that already enjoys solo gaming, then you'll hopefully really enjoy this episode of the late night podcast. And if the feedback is positive, maybe I'll do more of these in the future because solo board gaming is a big part of the hobby. And I know there's a lot of content creators out there that exclusively focus on solo board gaming content. And Of the Talking Cardboard crew, I would say I'm kind of the main guy that enjoys playing board games solitaire. So with that said, it's only fitting that I at least do one episode um, on our podcast here that focuses on solo board gaming, uh, which is a niche within, of course, the hobby board gaming hobby. So with that said, we will uh, get to our first segment, which is what have... What have I been up to recently? And if you've listened to past episodes of the Talking Hardboard Late Night Podcast, you'll know that I just had my baby daughter. Uh, She's almost five months already. She's been doing great. That's been um, fantastic to watch her grow up. Um, And already within just five months, there's so many things that she's doing now that she wasn't doing before. And I know that will only continue. Um, On the sports side of things, being based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm a big Minnesota sports fan. And the Twins season officially ended a couple weeks ago. Um, And uh, that wasn't a huge surprise that they only lasted one round in the playoffs. But nonetheless, they're done. And for the Minnesota Vikings, as many of you may know, Kirk Cousins' season is over. And uh, (laughs) that was very disappointing for us Vikings fans because the season looked like it was turning around and we were actually going to make a good playoff run because Kirk Cousins was on fire, but now that's over. So now we turn to the Timberwolves, and so far they're 2-2, which I think deserves a round of applause because um, there's no guarantee the Wolves are ever going to have a good season. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Now now turning this into... You know, content focused on the solo board gaming part of the hobby. I want to talk about some games I recently acquired because who doesn't love talking about board games they recently got in the mail? And first, I want to touch on some games I got from the publisher Draco Ideas. So, um, if you're not looking, if you're not watching, I'm holding up a box of the games that I received. The first one I'm holding up is 2GM Tactics, which is a World War II tactical card game published by Draco. 
Um, actually, I already owned this game. What I purchased from them was this bigger box. The game that I had originally was in a smaller box. Um, and they, since I've worked with them in the past on various videos on our Talking Cardboard YouTube channel, they also sent me a copy of their Drums of War game, which actually does have solo rules. It's kind of a 1v1 competitive game where one side is like a card game, uh, where one side is like humans and the other side's orcs, but you also can play against an AI opponent. So I look forward to trying that out. And then this game called Scope U-Boot, which this is only a two-player game, doesn't have solo rules with it, but it's um, a very small footprint box. If you're listening to the podcast, this is uh, like a two-inch by three-inch box, or a four, well, it looks like a four-by-six, I should say four-by-six-inch box, um, and only about an inch or two deep. So very compact, a portable game. And another game I just got in the mail was a Kickstarter I backed called Solar, Solar Titans. Uh, this is a deck-building game where each player is... Uh, trying to construct a giant capital ship with weapons and shield upgrades and armor and basically when you're adding cards into your deck you're adding either crew cards that do stuff or then additional weapon cards or these armor cards to build up your capital ship to be more effective at destroying your opponent's capital ship and they're meanwhile trying to do the same but what's fantastic is it also offers a solo mode as well as a cooperative mode so um that's why um, I'm excited about getting that to the table sooner than later. And then finally, I picked up my copy of Earthborn Rangers, which is the first game from the company uh, Earthborn Games, um, which is led by the mastermind Andrew Navarro, who used to be at Fantasy Flight and then Chip Theory Games. He has a great pedigree of board gaming stuff. So. I'm excited to get Earthborn Rangers to the table. That also has a solo mode. So already a lot of games with solo stuff. So uh, that was a rat race reference, if uh, anyone remembers that movie from years ago. Okay, so now let's move on to what we've been playing. Um, And to start off, I will talk about a game that I did actually play with John and Corey, as well as Corey's brother's. Blake a few weeks ago, and that is Guards of Atlantis, which is a, a board game themed around the mobile MOBA genre of video games. So for those of you who have heard of League of Legends or Dota 2, those are MOBA-styled computer games, which stands for Massive Online Battle Arena computer game, or video game in general. It could be a console. There's console versions of those games too. And so Guards of Atlantis second, or number two, basically uses that Um premise for the board game design it's there's what's amazing about this game is how streamlined it is um considering it can go up to a 5v5 game but the way it's designed is that you actually don't have a lot of thinking you need to do on your turns because there's only so much you can do you only have a few cards that you basically are using for your actions in the game and therefore, your your choices are limited to just just those actions. And then once you play a card, um, that that at specific action you can do with that card is done for that round. And there's four different turns within a round. So by the fourth um, turn of the of a round, you only have two cards to choose from. So it makes each player's turn very quick. Um, yet there's some good tactical strategy involved because um, 
you are trying to maneuver your character around, um, trying to take out the enemy characters as well as take out enemy um, minions and at the same year meanwhile your opponent's doing the same this does not have a solo mode you have to play at least 2v2 ideally um but still a very fun game and again i know i'm trying to focus on solo games this is probably one of the few exceptions in this episode that doesn't have any kind of solo option available so let's move on to games that i have been playing um by myself so here's some uh well this first one's not by myself but it does have a solo um, mode or can be played solitary and that's uh, the Arkham Horror the card game um, LCG or li- living card game and specifically I was playing the Path to Carcosa expansion with my friend Eric we were playing on the tabletop simulator mod for um, Arkham Horror which is actually really hard to find so if you want to go and find that uh, mod online uh, good luck but nonetheless we uh, played this on Tabletop Simulator. Unfortunately, we only made it, I think, to the third or fourth mission, and we ended up getting destroyed in this insane asylum. Um, I won't say any more than that to avoid any spoilers, but um, if you're huge into this game, you can, you know, and you're watching the, if you're wa- listening to the podcast, um, you know, check out the video uh, version of the episode because right now on my screw on my computer screen I'm sharing my deck construction for my character Rex Murphy. I'd love for any expert or someone who considers themselves an expert of Arkham Horror LCG to give me their thoughts in the comment section of the video what they think of this build for Rex Murphy. I was really trying to build up for a Necronomicon which was like eight experience points so and I never got there, <laughs> never was able to get that Necronomicon. But anyway. Um, that was the character, or I was Rex Murphy, um, and Lily Chen was the character that my friend Eric was playing. So moving on to the next game that I've been playing, uh, which I think I may have mentioned even in the last episode, but that is Snapship Tactics. Uh, this is a miniatures game where you're basically playing with these giant Lego-style ships uh, that are based on a toy line called Snapships. Um Please check out the, some live play that I did on the Talking Cardboard YouTube channel if this type of game sounds interesting. Basically, it's like an X-Wing miniature style game where you're moving mini- these miniatures around trying to get within ra- range of the opponent's ship. And what's cool about Snapships is that you have a bunch of weapons and um, other pieces of equipment like wings and thrusters that each have a action card. And in order for you to use any of those things for their abilities, you actually have to spend cubes, and you only have so many cubes you can use, so you have to be careful on every turn if you want to try to you know, inflict as much damage as possible or focus on just positioning, positioning your ship as much as possible. And also these components are at risk of being damaged, and throughout the course of the game you might not have your weapons, for example, because they're damaged and you can repair them. But I think that makes the game a little more interesting than some of the other miniature space games. And yes, this does have a solo mode. Um, what's And I find the solo mode in this game very um, novel and interesting. And uh, again, in my live play, it is a, I'm playing against the AI bot. So please check that live play out because if this type of game sounds, again, interesting. Because I, I do think Snapship Tactics did a lot of things very well. Um, and uh, how the game was designed for for uh, both solitaire and ev- and can be played cooperatively too if you 
get enough ships to do that. So the next game on my list that I want to touch on is Dogfight, the uh, the skies uh, rule the skies in 20 minutes. This is a very light, um, kind of abstracted World War One themed game where you and an opponent are by World War One biplanes trying to shoot each other down. The map is very simplistic. It's just like a circle, so you can only even go. You can't even go backwards. You're only going forwards. It's unique. The mechanism is is fun in that you're you're you you have tiles that you're drawing from that you're drawing. First of all, from a bag, so you don't know exactly which tiles you're going to get for your plane. And then every turn, you and the opponent are um, secretly picking one of your tiles, which will be a number of how far you're moving around this circular board. And the goal is to try to get behind your opponent and shoot them down before they do the same to you. And this does come with a solo mode in which you are playing a AI-controlled fighter or biplane. Um, and you're trying to achieve various types of object objectives. There's four different missions or scenarios you can play solo, um, each slightly different from the other in terms of what you're trying to do. And it's it's a 20 minute game, so it's not super heavy by any means. But you know, considering how small the box is for the game and how easy portable portable it is and quick to set up, I think it accomplishes what it's trying to do very well. And I also want to give a shout out to Floodgate Games because they provided me this review copy of Dogfight as well as a couple other games in their 20-minute series including Blitzkrieg and Caesar. So I hope to uh, play those games solitaire and uh, maybe do some live plays. I did some live play of Dogfight on the YouTube channel. So definitely, um, if this game sounds interesting to you, check out the uh, live play that I did for Dogfight on the Talk Cardboard YouTube channel. Um, so you can get a better idea of how that game plays. All right, let's move into our next segment, which is looking at the updates to the BGG Top Hotness list. And it's been a while since we did our last podcast episode, so you better imagine this list has changed quite significantly since the last podcast episode. Um, and I want to apologize for that, too. If you were anxiously waiting for this for episode number six, um, Please forgive us for taking a while to get this out. Uh, again, part of it's definitely because of my new uh, family member that's been taking up a lot of time. So hopefully we're more consistent about getting these episodes out more consistently in the future. So with that said, let's check to see what changes have occurred on the BGG Top Hotness list. So starting at number 10, Terraforming Mars, the dice game is no longer and replacing that is Arc Nova. And throughout the list, I'm going to call out which ones have a solo mode. Because, of course... Where's my dad? I'm all alone. We're all alone here today, so we want to know if we can play these games solo. And yes, Ark Nova does have a solo mode. If you're checking out, if you're watching the YouTube... Or if you're uh, listening to the podcast, I'm showing the brief abbreviated solo rules for Ark Nova. So there's not a lot of crunch to this to the solo mode in Ark Nova. But it... It does have solo rules, so you can play that solo. Uh, the next game on the list is... Uh, so, Brule... <laughs> Corey corrected me the last time I was trying to pronounce that word. Uh, 1893, it, Belle Epoque is no longer on the list. Number, now number nine is Voidfall. And Voidfall was number five previously, so it's staying... This one actually is staying um, strong on the top BGG hotness list. Uh, Voidfall also has a solo mode not surprising and it's a very 
meaty looking solo mode. I mean, I'm I actually wasn't so hyped up on Voidfall because the theme is 4X style space exploration. And if I want to play a 4X space game, I'm like, ah, I want to play Twilight Imperium, right? I don't want to play like a Eurowized, a Eurowized version of Twilight Imperium. But looking at the depth of this solitaire mode, it's making me reconsider my interest of Voidfall. Um, and it can be played cooperatively. So a co-op, a co-op, a 4X style Euro space game now is sounding very intriguing. So I might have to actually get Voidfall to the table. I don't know if I want to buy it. I maybe want someone else to buy it for me or buy it and I play their copy with them. But nonetheless, that looks very interesting. Next on the list is Dune Imperium Uprising. Now, it I have zero way to verify this has anything to do with the reason why Dune Imperium Uprising has been consistently on the list for a while now. Um the uh, number eight previously was Age of Innovation, by the way. Um, but one thing that is very interesting to me that I don't think really got a lot of publicity within the hobby board gaming sphere is the fact that Mr. Beast, um, who's one of the biggest, who is the biggest YouTuber right now, uh, actually did a tournament for playing Dune Imperium and won the tournament. Now, you can argue that it was set up for him to win, but point being is Mr. Beast is associated with a hobby board game. Um and I think that's huge for this for the hobby. A lot of hobby players, hobby board gamers, may not know who Mr. Beast is, and if if that's the case, that's not that not makes sense. Like I think what um, Wolf Dire Wolf was doing is trying to cater to an audience that has no real knowledge of the hobby board gaming world, and but are fans of Mr. Beast. So I think this was a great marketing tactic. Um, I uh, posted on Stephen Bonacore's Board Game Insiders on their uh, Facebook page saying like this is huge so I'm interested to see if he talks about it because I if he if he does talk about it on their podcast I am giving my credit to myself for the reason why he um, brought it up on on their podcast but I digress um, this is big news and part of the reason why maybe Dune Imperium is still strong on the BGG hotness list and there are solo mode or there are solo rules for Dune Imperium or Dune the Imperium, um, but you don't even need the expansion for the Soul Rules, but like Ark Nova, rather light and abbreviated, so I think Dune Imperium is a hot solo game, even if the Soul Rules look simple, and in fact, um, I'm probably going to get uh, a lot of, uh, you know, flack for this, but I'm not a huge Dune play in Dune Imperium player, I, I know Corey and John from Talking to Cardboard love this game, um, but anyway... That's number eight on the list. Number seven uh, was previously Heat Pedal to the Metal. Now it's a game called Septima, which is a game themed around being a witch. And I thought the theme actually sounds very interesting. Um, but also, it not surprisingly, has a pretty legit looking solo mode. I think, um, uh, I want to say David Tercy looked like he was looks like David Tercy was credited for the solo mode in um, in this game, and David Tercy is like one of the more renowned solo mode designers, if not the most renowned solo mode designers in in the hobby. I wanted to say I saw that. Uh, I wanted I'm looking at their the form for the game on BGG right now, and I wanted to say that I saw his name somewhere, but. Nonetheless, it does have a solo mode, and I looked it up, and it looks pretty 
pretty in depth. So that's Septima. Also, again, unique theme. Um, for number six, previously we had the East India companies. Um, now it's the White Castle, uh, which has a rather basic, very, very basic looking solo mode um, again, but nonetheless has a solo mode and very a very Euro, you know, Japanese Euro style looking game. Um, not one that, you know, interests me significantly, but it's on the VGG hotness list. So there's clearly a lot of people that um, are interested in playing that game. Number five is Tiny Epic Cthulhu. So Previously, number five was Voidfall, as we touched on earlier. Now it's Tiny Epic Cthulhu. I believe this game was only just recently announced. Um, it's The Kickstarter has not started yet for Tiny Epic Cthulhu. So I have no real understanding of how the game's going to work. But I've played other Tiny Epic games before, and they're, you know, they're very portable. They're always seeming to be cooperative, which is not also the case for Tiny Epic Cthulhu, which means you could play it solitaire. So... Uh, another solo game on the BGG hotness list. Moving to number four. Previously, it was the ART or ART project. Now it's Nucleum. Nucleum also has a very robust looking set of solo rules. So um, it's a very Euro heavy game. So not one that stuck out to me very much, but um, but definitely a game that is catering to a solo player based on the detailed rule set they have for the solo solo mode. Number three was previously Planta Nubo. Now it's called now it's Villages Villagers of the Oakdale, and this is interesting because it's a roll and write game that's a city builder. And I thought that right away was really catchy. I love the idea. I I do enjoy the roll and write mechanic, but I think there's so many themes that need to be explored using that mechanic, such as a city builder. So this is great to see. Um, someone combining uh, that type of that theme of a game with the roll and write mechanic, and which I think is the case for a lot of roll and write since it's, they're usually point based games. You could play the solitaire. The game says it has a campaign system, so you could maybe combine one game to the next, and I think you can do that solitaire as well, um, which maybe adds a little more replayability for the solo player, but nonetheless, um, does can be played solitaire, and that's number three. Number two is was previously Apiaria, um, which is now off the list. It uh, and surprisingly, you know, that's that's just how the world is with uh, the the BGG hotness list. Is a big game like Apiaria is already gone, uh, and replacing that is a game called Spirit Fire. Now, Spirit Fire um, is something that is a game that's extremely difficult to explain. I, I uh just listing off what it says on BGG, it's a nonlinear open world board game system in which you explore compelling fantasy realms on an introspective journey of discovery, wonder, and mystery. Um, but what mechanically what makes this game unique is it claims you can seamlessly transition from playing a game solo then to playing it with cooperatively. It's like a game that just is, can you continuously just you know sit down and play. There's doesn't sound like there's like set finishing and ending to the game um kind of like a they say it's kind of like a world of warcraft style game where there's really no cut ending per se sounds very interesting for sure and it's published by the company called orange nebula which 
did a game called Unsettled, which was like this cooperative space exploration game with all these different expansions. I bring that up because I was very close to um, getting on the bandwagon for Unsettled, and I decided not to because it was just a little too abstract for my tastes, um, and I'd rather play sci-fi games that are a little more thematic, um, which there's plenty of those out there, so I'm like, I don't want to play. I don't want to get a big, huge game that um, I don't feel it really is up my alley nonetheless that game did look really unique and and uh this spirit fire game is no different so that was number two now finally number one civilution was the previous number one uh bgg hotness game and replacing that is called the old is a game called the old king's crown which kind of came out of nowhere for me i um am not sure you know (laughs) how to easily describe this game either uh, but bgg says it's a game game of card driven contest where you play as heirs to a vacant throne vying for control of an ancient overground kingdom uh mechanisms listed are betting and bluffing and card play conflict resolution hand management and variable player powers one thing that's uh yeah it's interesting because um yeah po- yep never mind so uh one thing to note with this game is apparently the solo mode is being designed by Ricky Royal. Now, Ricky Royal is one of the very first content creators I think I ever came across for board games because his focus was solitaire board games. And I immediately latched on to his content because he was focused on the solo play of board games. And now he's actually doing design work for solo board games. So that's really cool to see. And I expect, and I believe his work that precedes this game for solo games has been well well recognized. So I imagine this old King's Crown game will also have a very strong solo mode. So if you weren't paying attention, all 10 of the games on the BGG hotness list have solo play available. I am completely alone. And that just goes to show you the rising popularity of playing board game solitaire. And I don't really know what more to say about that. Like board game publishing companies are recognizing players like to play games or like to at least have the ability to play game solitaire. And there's a lot of benefits to to that, you know, number one being you don't have to worry about finding others obsessed with board games like you are to sit down and play a heavy style game um, that has a thick rule book, which is the case for a lot of these games that have solo modes. So um, it's definitely something that I think isn't going to go away, and it's exciting to see that uh, the solo mode is becoming so popular. All right, so the next segment is our top five segment, and this time I, of course, wanted to have some sort of solo theme to it. Because we're all alone, and with that said, I decided I would talk about five games that I crowdfunded that I am very excited for that are... I backed really for their solo playability. So with that said, the first game that I want to talk about is called Purple Haze. Now, Purple Haze is a Vietnam War-themed narrative combat game, and it's doing a lot of things that I've never seen a single game do. It's bringing in a tactical fighting element um, throughout during the, the campaign or during a mission. There will be combat s- scenes that will pop up when you come across I guess the uh, the bad guys in the Vietnam War and the uh, then the game switches to this combat map but then you're also on this kind of you know 
more geographic map, moving from location to location, trying to achieve your objective for that mission. And it's very narratively driven where you're drawing cards that have events and just choices to be made. And it's it's got an RPG element to it because the soldiers that you have in your platoon have different skill ratings for different types of um, activities that you'll be resolving, I think, based on the cards you're drawing and the decisions you're making. So it's not a pure war game by any means, but there's definitely combat involved and one could call it a war game. It's kind of reminiscent to me almost as a of of a Robin Crusoe style game in that you know there's this narrative going on while you're trying to um, achieve a goal so very interesting game can be played cooperatively and where each player is in control of a soldier of in the squad or you can play it solo where I think you may still need to play with four soldiers but um, as a solo player you're just controlling the actions for for all the soldiers so Really looking forward to that game and uh, and hope it arrives sooner than later. They've made recently some I – I know they've made changes to the, to the design of the combat um, in the game over time. But nonetheless, uh, Purple Haze is the first game I want to touch on. Next game is called Robomon. Now, Robomon, I mean, it's crazy the types of amazing games that get designed these days. Robomon is like Pokemon – the board game and I'm, you know if you didn't guess that from the name but it truly is it's got the artwork of pokemon you know the game boy version of pokemon that the 8-bit kind of style artwork is just immediately catches your attention and you're trying to catch robomon i guess instead of pokemon uh can be played solitaire or cooperatively i think that's kind of a big selling point for me because in this case i would like to get my wife involved playing with me um and it has one of those book maps that you're turning the pages um, through and exploring locations that way, which I always think, which sounds a lot of fun. I mean, the, it looks like it has a great, a great story with it too, as you would imagine um, for a game based around Pokemon. And then whenever you have a combat, um, you do actually go to a, unlike Pokemon where it's just kind of, you know, uh, there really isn't a map per se when you're fighting uh, at least in the Pokemon I remember, in Robomon, there is like a combat map that you switch to where you're actually a tactical combat map where you're moving your Robomon around and um, attacking whichever Robomon you're coming across. And I, there's trainer battles. There's, uh, you know, stickers that you're getting for, I believe, defeating trainers just like in Pokemon. It, it looks like a blast. Like, yeah, definitely really excited for this game. So check that out um, if that sounds interesting to you. So that's that's called Robomon. And is the second game that I wanted to touch on. Third game, I mean, this is these are not in order by any ways because and these are not in order purposely because I could not figure I would not be able to figure out you know which games I'm more excited about. But the next game I want to talk about is Aridia: The Paths We Dare Tread. This is by the publisher Far Off Games, who did Zaya Legends of a Drift System. Now. If you've never heard of Zaya Legends of a Drift System, that's like the sandbox space game where you can do all sorts of things to get victory points. And it's a really cool game. The components of that game are top-notch. Metal, co- metal coins, um, painted miniatures, a fantastic production. A lot of Anyone that plays that game, I think, loves it because it's a really great game. Simple, to, a simple rule set, too, that is easy to digest once you play around. 
now they're coming out with this game called Iridia. I mean, it's making Zaya look like a rookie game. Like, Iridia looks fantastic. It's got this big map where you're moving your characters around, and then um, you, when you get to a, a spot of interest on this large map, you zoom down into a smaller map, and then you're exploring the smaller map. And there's combat, of course, and the combat looks extremely innovative in that when you're fighting an enemy, there's, like, hit... hit uh, there's specific areas you're trying to hit on the enemy to actually defeat them, um, which is very video gamey, which I think is really cool that they're trying to introduce that into a board game. Um, and they're, uh, you're equipping your character with weapon or, you know, it's a kind of a debate. Basically it's a dungeon crawler. You're equipping your character or RPG type style dungeon crawler. You're equipping your character with weapons and equipment. A lot is going on in this game. Too much to talk about. Um, in a few seconds here, but definitely check out Iridia if what I said is um, catch, catches your interest. And they say on uh, the crowdfunding page that all miniatures come painted, so that's exciting that they're you know keeping that up, um, carrying that over from the from Zaya. All right, so another another banger coming up here, and that is the game Senjutsu. So Senjutsu is a tactical samurai fighting board game and has, I don't think I, Iridia can be played solitaire or cooperatively, by the way. Um, Senjutsu also can be played solo, cooperatively or competitive or, or competitively. Um, but tactical fighting samurai game, like that's right there. It's just, oh my gosh, like that I'm immediately hooked just if someone described a game like that to me. So of course I backed, it was an instant back for me. You are fighting. There's different, you know, Japanese character or samurai characters that you can play as each with their st different strengths and weaknesses. So, um, replayability just from that standpoint in terms of trying out the playing as the different samurai. Um, of course the AI that you're, the opponent you're playing against can be different samurais too with different strengths and weaknesses. Um, there is, it says that there's this path of the Ronin solo narrative campaign, which I hope was what I included in my pledge. Um, nonetheless, so there's more, you know, there's, there's a campaign mode for the, so for solo gaming, which of course really, um, draws you into as a solo gamer. So that's Senjutsu. Again, a lot more can be said about this game, but for the sake of time, I'm going to leave it at that. Check it out. If that game sounds interesting to you, the uh, last game here that I want to touch on is near and dear to my heart because of the IP that this game is based on, and that is Rome Total War, the board game. I was a huge fan of the original PC game that um, this board game is based on, Rome Total War, the PC game. And uh, now they're coming out with a board game designed by Simon Hall. Uh, Simon was nice enough to send me a prototype of Rome Total War, the board game. I did a live unboxing on our Talk Talking Cardboard YouTube channel, so check that out. Um, since it's a prototype, a lot of the components are going to change. Um, unfortunately, the solo mode still hasn't been finalized yet, so the prototype that I got did not have the solo mode with it, so I still don't exactly know how the solo mode will play. However, the game will come with solo rules, so you can play... Rome Total War, like you did on the PC game, by yourself, um, you know. Where's my dad? I'm all alone. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to this, and the, the, the battle resolution in the board game looks 
innovative and quick. You know, obviously that's going to be probably the first. Anyone who's familiar with the PC game knows the battles in the PC game were huge. So um, how are they going to do that in a board game? So I think the what they developed for the battle resolution looks interesting. There's actually two ways of resolving battles. There's a quick way like there is in the PC game and then a more a tactical way of resolving battles. But yeah, so that's Rome Total War. And that's five Kickstarter solo games that I'm excited about receiving in the future. There's plenty more that I've backed that I actually didn't talk about. And these other ones I didn't talk about also could be very solid. So apologies for any of the companies and any of the games I didn't touch on here. But I'm sure I will be talking about them at some point in the future. So let's move on to our next segment, which is the question of the week. And this week... Or this episode, considering it's for the solo gamer, of course, the question is themed around that. And I decided on what makes a great solo board game. Now, this is, of course, through my eyes. So I would love for feedback and comments in the video, uh, in the comment section of the video on the Talking Cupboard YouTube channel for this episode to hear what you all think makes a great solo board game. Hopefully, you agree with what I'm saying, but I'd love to hear um, other opinions on this. The first thing that's you know, I think of for a good solo board game is the AI system. It has to have some meat to it. You know, I touched on the BGG hotness list and some of these games have like one pagers for their solo rules. And I'm not about getting a game for solo play exclusively that only has, of course, one page of solo rules. And, you know, so, so that's number one for me. I, I want a kind of a game that has some sort of intent for a solo game experience. Um, including uh, like a, a game like Conflict of Heroes. And this is very, you know, a lot of war games, you know, have very comp complex solo games, solo rules, I should say. Um, you know, an, an example of a basic solo rule system is from After the Empire, a game that uh, we touched on in a video when we compared it to The Great Wall, which is a great competitive game, but for solo play, you play with, you're playing against this opponent called Ivan and He's just like a deck of cards. He doesn't have his own castle that you're like, you know, simulating for him. And I just felt it was, it fell flat. I felt like it'd be way more fun if I'm building my castle and the, and Ivan's building a castle too, and you're competing directly with their castle. But, um, but, but there's plenty of games then that have more complicated solo rules like Conflict of Heroes, um, or the, uh, AI cards in the Undaunted, um, reinforcements, you know, expansion for the Undaunted series. But with that said, counterpoint to the AI system is it has to be streamlined. So an example of a non-streamlined solo system is the flowcharts in the coin games. Now, if you want, if you have the patience for this, you know, check out the um, solo no, play God. I did of the no, Liberty God, or Death please, American no. Insurrection coin game. I spent about eight and a half hours trying to grog through the flowcharts of that game by GMT. And a lot of solo players of the coin series of games say that they don't even use the flow charts because they're so convoluted and I can see why, but like, Hey, it comes with the game. It's meant to be played when playing solo. So I want to use it. So that's an example of like an overly complicated solo system, but a streamlined system that has the right bit of complexity is snapship tactics. So again, I talked about that game earlier in this episode. I did the live play on our YouTube channel. You should check that out because the AI cards have intelligence to them 
they're doing exactly what you can do as the human player, which I always think is also great for an AI system, is when the AI opponents can basically mimic the same types of actions you can do. And it's doing it with some sort of intelligence. It's not randomly doing things that you as the human player can do. It's doing things with criteria to make sure it's doing things that make sense. And and um, and so, number one, AI system is of the utmost importance itself. The AI system itself is of the utmost importance for me um, to make a great solo game. Next is the theme. So... You know, there's a lot of solo games that have solo playability, but the theme seems rather abstracted. And I'm going to pick on David Thompson here because um, he did a video with me in the past and I feel um, would be nice. It, it has a good enough uh, personality that he's not going to take offense to this, but I've recently, you know, played Resist. And um, with Resist, it's a great portable solitaire experience, but the theme just was too abstract for me. Um, you uh, are going after different objective mission cards that are like the the guardhouse, the mansion, the bridge. But I'm trying to understand. Well, why is this one have this type of you know effect, and this one is this difficult? You know, there wasn't really. It didn't make sense to why the cards did what they did. The, you know, the, there was a theme. Here. It's like the Spanish, um, and I'm blanking on the the time period uh that the game was based around but there is a theme it just felt kind of painted on and i and i'm and mechanically people love a lot of people love that game so mechanically it's it's a sound game i'm just specifically talking about the theme here whereas a david thompson game that i would say does a great job or at least for me personally is pavlov's house or the undaunted reinforcements game i already mentioned with pavlov's house you have this big map the, the the strategic level map then you zoom down to this you know our operation level map and strategic level map and then the tactical level map and each map is affecting um in some shape or form the 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 other map and it all makes sense that that it, it, everything connected and made sense to me um in terms of why you were doing what you were doing and how things you know impacted the game so that you know having a theme that i can connect with and 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 that's really in general something important to me for any game which's why I'm not a huge euro gamer because a lot of times the the theme just seems kind of abstracted in terms of you take an action and this is the result and I'm always like but but why why does this get me a victory point for example so theme's important to me too for solo games next is replayability um again like friday for example how many i mean it's mechanic wise sound uh, you know, it's portable, but I just feel like you're playing the same game every single time. And yes, of course, it's not the exact same game. Of course, there's going to be a lot of people, you know, you know, uh, sending me hate in the comments section, probably saying, oh, it's a great, one of the best solo games ever. But for me, it just doesn't give me enough replayability value opposed to a game like Warfighter World War II from DVG, where you have all these different missions you can choose from, all these different objectives you can choose from for every game, and then you can have different loadouts for all your different squad members. Like the replayability is endless for that game. Um, dungeon crawlers obviously have tons of replayability because they're usually built around campaigns. So you're trying to finish a campaign through a dungeon crawler, um, and a dungeon crawler that's actually, you know, kind of a, a great starting point in my mind is one deck dungeon because in one deck dungeon small footprint very portable great for the solo player on the go 
but great replayability value. You have gr interesting different heroes with different abilities to play as each time. And it introduces kind of this campaign system where after a game of one deck dungeon, you can upgrade the stats of your hero and go through another game and, and continue doing that. So I think one deck dungeon does a great example of providing replayability without really overcomplicating the game by any means. And then finally, the solo system has to be solo friendly. So you see a lot of dungeon crawler type games that say you can be played, you know, they can be played by just a single player and that's great. But for example, I did a review of Madara on the Talking Cardboard YouTube channel, and the the game is fantastic. Like I look forward to actually playing that game someday. Um, now there's a second edition stuff being released to backers, so now I'm like waiting to get that um, or to get the upgrade pack, so I have the most recent edition of the rules and everything. But in Madara, you have to play as with four characters. If you want to play solo, that's fine. But then you're controlling four characters and. There's a lot of stuff going on with a character in that game. There's different abilities. There's so much different type of equipment. And that's a lot to manage, in my mind at least, um, as a solo player. So I contrast that to a game like Too Many Bones. Too Many Bones literally has kind of a separate, you know, com separate components of playing solo. They have a solo deck of scenario cards or mission cards that you'll – or encounter cards – that you play with the game is scaled down for the solo player and uh they actually cater the game then to the solo player if you are playing the game that way you don't have to control if you want to play with multiple gear locks and play a multiplayer cam game you could but if you're playing solitaire the game caters the experience specifically for the solo player and i think that's you know really neat when a game goes out of their way to really specialize the solo experience for um, those who want to play the game solitaire. So that was the question of the week. Again, I'm really curious what you guys have to say. Again, if you agree or disagree with the things that make a solo game great, and please put them, again, in the comment section of the video of this episode. And if you're listening to the podcast, please at some point then check out the discussion going on um, for the video on our Talking Cardboard YouTube channel. All right. So with that, let's get into the last segment, which is Talking Cardboard News. So first thing I wanted to point out is I showed that I recently received my copy of Earthborn Rangers, published by Earthborn Games. I reached out to Andrew Navarro to see if he would be interested in do, being a guest speaker or a guest on the on the podcast, and he agreed and felt figured like it'd be good for me to get some plays in of Earthborn Rangers first. We could kind of get into the discussion about the game which i thought was a great idea so be on the lookout for a future podcast episode um with uh with andrew as a guest on it and that'd be the first episode we've done with a guest speaker or guest so that'd be cool um now i don't know if i'm gonna get it this edited with by tomorrow or by today um so it will so this announcement has some relevance but on november 4th talking cardboard uh, will be at the Torg Brewery Board Game Market, which is being put on by Board Events. And uh, traditional board game market where there will be a bunch of people selling their games, including myself. I'll be bringing my collection of games. So if you're in the Twin Cities area, that's located at the Torg Brewery in Spring Lake Park, Minnesota. Definitely check it out. Uh, I've done this market uh, back in June. I did a TikTok video on, on that. So check out, check out the Talking Cardboard TikTok. 
um, and you can see me give an overview of that experience. So looking forward to that. It also supporting charity. It's supporting the Extra Life Foundation or the Extra Life Fund. So I'll put in a link um, in the uh, notes of this episode for that as well as more details on the market itself if you want to check that out. Then on November 11th, I will be participating in this Teachers Weekend at 3M. So last year I did this and I'm going to do it again this year where I basically am promoting the educational value of board games to teachers. There are so many board games that provide great educational value as well as fantastic board game entertainment. And the first company that always comes to mind is Genius Games. Their games really are designed around providing educational value. They even include a little bit of a of a educational booklet to go with their games to really explain why the mechanics, uh, you know, do what they're doing uh, when taking into account the scientific theme of the game. And I think that's phenomenal. I really hope more game companies start doing that. GMT does a great job doing that for their historical games. So if you play a coin game, like earlier I was talking about Liberty or Death, all those coin games are very historical in in your the, the they're card driven and every card has a historical event associated with it and the rule book goes further into detail of that historical event and why uh, it's resulting in the gameplay action that that card is doing so I think that's fantastic so lots of games out there I mean and I'm sure you guys that are listening to this are thinking are nodding your head and thinking of other games that well this game also is very educational anyway so looking forward to that and also just in general think this is that's a great avenue that's not being exploited enough to get more people into hobby board gaming is using them first as a teaching tool to really then introduce people to all the other types of board games that exist then finally on November 18th there is a Eau Claire Wisconsin board game market and that's being put on by the Eau Claire Board Gamers Group. And I'm going to be present at that. Uh, that's November 18th, Saturday, at the, the Brewing Project, I believe is the name of the of the brewery, in, in Eau Claire, where that's going to be located at from 12 to 5 p.m. And again, tons of vendors selling board games or like myself. So it should be a great time. Also, we hope to uh, put up a um, video of an interview with the designer of a local designer of the game of a game called the condemned which is a collectible card game um and it's exciting that we're able to work with these you know uh, local designers and his name's ryan so Corey and john have played that uh, a review copy of the game that he provided us and um definitely look forward to doing that type of activity more with those in our twin cities area so with that said thank you so much for watching and again apologies for the huge lapse in delay from the last episode hopefully um, that won't happen again please forgive us uh, but definitely if you're listening to the podcast check out the talking hardboard youtube channel check out all the other platforms we're on including x and we have a discord channel and we have uh, the tiktok channel we have um and uh, we're, we we try to get out and do uh, events such as these board game markets um so definitely uh connect with us and uh, we hope to hear from you. But with that said, I hope you guys are enjoying your day. And I hope you are able to play some solo games. Where's my dad? I'm all alone. I hope you guys get to play some solo games soon. Thanks so much for listening.